Hello and welcome to another episode of Pop Fix, your weekly fix of pop culture news and gossip. I'm Marnie Dixit and I'm joined by my lovely co-hosts. We're all here today, Summer Rose. Hello, it's good and, to be back. And Steph Nuzzo. Hi guys. Coming up on the show, we're chatting about the palace's response to Meghan and Harry's interview with Oprah. There's some crazy stuff happening in the art world. I don't particularly get it, but Sam is going to explain it all. Six sad world returns and heaps more. So let's get into your pop fix where we fill you in on everything that's happened in the entertainment world this week. I'm not sure if you guys saw this, but I did post it in the Facebook group last week. Uh, You can find that if you search pop fix podcast. But Piers Morgan stormed off the set of Good Morning Britain last week. Uh, later announcing that he is quitting the show after his live mm. walkout. Yes, I did see this. <laughs> mm. Hard to miss it, hey? ITV in the UK confirmed Piers would be leaving the show after the weatherman, Alex Beresford, who is my new hero, slammed the presenter for constantly trashing Meghan Markle since she began dating Prince Harry. In case you don't know, Piers Morgan has been writing horrible, horrible, disgusting opinion pieces about Meghan since she began dating Harry for the Daily Mail. There are hundreds of these stories. And then on Twitter, he does it numerous times a day, as far as I've heard. Uh, One example of his headlines is, Meghan Markle is a ruthless social climbing actress who has landed the role of her life and is determined to milk it for all she can. And that's why the palace is beginning to turn Mm. on her. Long headline, right? It's ridiculous. Uh, Another reads, if you're truly a humanitarian, Meghan, then show some damn heart for your loving father before he comes to a broken one. Oh, Oh, fuck off. (laughs) So back to last week, Pierce had been copying a lot of backlash for suggesting that Meghan's statement in her interview with Oprah Winfrey that she didn't want to be alive anymore was false. I don't believe a word she says, he told his co-stars after the interview aired on Monday. And on Tuesday, Alex Beresford called him out on air. I've got some of that audio, so let's have a listen. And I understand that you've got a personal relationship with Meghan Markle or had one and she cut you off. She's entitled to cut you off if she wants to. Has she said anything about you since she cut you off? I don't think she has, but yet you continue to trash her. Sorry, can't this do is this. absolutely diabolical behaviour. I'm sorry, but Pierce spouts off on a regular basis and we all have to sit there and listen. 6.30 to 7 o'clock yesterday was incredibly hard to watch. So he can clearly dish it out, but he cannot take it. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. He had only been on air for 10 minutes when that happened and he walked off. Uh, One Twitter user pointed out, Yesterday, Pierce couldn't believe that someone may feel suicidal after four years of constant vitriolic abuse from all angles. Today, he has had to sit through 30 seconds of someone rightly pointing the finger at him and he loses the plot. Mm. Now, in case you didn't know, I also briefly explained this in the Facebook group, actually. Pierce and Megan were actually kind of friends Mm. at one point in life. Yeah. So Pierce began following her on Twitter after she, oh, sorry, after he started watching Suits, and she replied to him privately, saying, "Oh, I'm a big fan of yours. Like, let's be friends." And they continued that online friendship. And then when she was in London for Wimbledon one year, she contacted him to catch up for a drink. So they caught up, and then she had to leave because she had dinner plans. That dinner ended up being how she met Prince Harry. And after that, for obvious reasons, she stopped talking to probably a lot of people because she needed to keep their relationship private. And to him, she ghosted him. And (laughs) he obviously cannot understand how anyone would do that to him, I guess. And so he began very publicly shaming her. And 
interestingly enough, after having never responded to any of his comments, Megan has actually filed a formal complaint against GMB after Piers stormed off set. Um, the unprecedented move was confirmed by ITV's royal editor, Chris Ship, who tweeted, So, the Duchess of Sussex formally filed a complaint to ITV on Monday. It's thought to have been sent to the broadcaster's CEO. Megan raised concerns about how Pierce's words affected the issue of mental health and what it might do to others contemplating suicide. Mm. Fair enough, I say. Yeah, oh, yeah. absolutely. Oh, yeah. In a very odd move, Sharon Osborne had a bit of a meltdown <laughs> over the whole situation on the talk. Sharon shared her support of Pierce on Twitter, writing, I am with you. I stand by you. People forget that you're paid for your opinion and that you're si- and you're just speaking your truth. Her black co-host Cheryl Underwood tried to explain to her why Pierce's comments were problematic. I've got some audio of this as well, so let's have a listen. I will ask you again, Cheryl. I've been asking you during the break. I am asking you again. And don't try and cry, because if anyone should be crying, it should be me. This is the situation. You tell me where you have heard him say, educate me. Tell me when you have heard him say racist things. Educate me. Tell me. Unsurprisingly, this had people on Twitter calling her Karen Osborne. (laughs) Another woman wrote, Sharon Osborne is a racist, period. And this clip alone proves it. White people asking to be educated about racism are racist gaslighters who seek to diminish our voices so that they can continue to enjoy the benefits of racism in peace. Another wrote, this is Sharon Osborne telling a black woman not to cry and demanding a definition of racism as she sobs over Pierce Morgan, who walked off his job because a mixed black co-worker calmly challenged his fixation on Meghan Markle. White women are something way, else. And by the way, sorry, sorry to interrupt, but by the way, Pierce asked him to come on the show because he wanted Alex's perspective as a mixed race black man. And, and it's like, they're friends. You want his perspe- they're friends too. Well, there you go. He wanted his perspective. But to me, that feels a bit performative as well. It's oh, absolutely. Like, who do I know? Hmm, let's bring him on. He's my friend. He won't challenge me that hard. But when he does, he has a hissy fit. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't know if they were friends before, but I think Alex even took to Twitter afterwards saying, like, I respect Pierce, but I had to say this. Um, he's given me a lot of good advice over the years, blah, blah, blah. So obviously he's trying not to be like, you know, Sharon Osborne about it. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah. So, um, but yeah, the end of that tweet was white women are something else. Your tears are weapons. Mm. And unsurprisingly, many people have called for her firing. So we shall watch this space on that one. <laughs> what did you guys think about all of that? I, um, I just think, I think the Piers Morgan thing is just like, I don't know. I mean, I'm not surprised, I guess. Fragile, white Yeah, I just feel like the whole thing of men not being able to handle feeling rejected and so then wanting to scorch the earth is not anything new. Um, So, like, yeah, I... I don't think that it is shocking to hear that there was something behind this, you know, years-long attack on Megan. But it's, it's funny because at the end of all of this and all the backlash he obviously received, you know, um, Piers Morgan tweeted that freedom of speech is the hill that he was happy to die on, right? And I just mm. hate that argument so much. Yeah. Like, because, like, 
yeah, okay, fine. You have freedom of expression or whatever. But like, you know, this is, and I've checked, this is in the, this applies in the UK as well. You know, that freedom of expression does not apply when it comes to hate speech or incitement or comments that like, you know, impede the rights or reputations of others. You can't just say whatever Mm. the fuck you want. (laughs) And and like, has he just gotten away with it because Megan's just not said anything and like taken any action for this, you know, amount of time? I mean, is that the only way that he's gotten maybe, away with it? But that's or also... Is it just because he's saying it's my opinion? Possibly. I mean, maybe that's the thing that kind of changes it. But also, I think it's like the way that the the UK press is sort of set up that like maybe to have more freedom there. The thing to remember about Piers Morgan is he has had a lot of bumpy roads in his career that's really undermining what he's done I mean back um, I think it was the Guardian reported 17 years ago he was fired fired as editor of the Daily Mirror after publishing fake photos of British soldiers abusing Iraqi prisoners so I feel like he can I don't know about now um, but I feel like he was doing a lot of shady shit and getting away with it and maybe he's just a really charming person maybe I don't know what it is, um, but yeah, maybe I think you're both right that maybe Megan not saying anything about it um, kept him fueled. But re- remember how obsessed he was about the Kardashians for a while there. Oh God, <laughs> no! <laughs> he, oh, he just always like made some snide and hateful comment about the Kardashians. There were some headlines about Megan that called her like Megan Kardashian. So, oh, uh, there you go. I wonder if he got rejected by them too, all of them. But the thing is, is that he has said like, so he has called her out being like, oh, you're like crawling to these people. You want to be friends with, you know, like you're a, what's the word? Like a A social climber. Social climber. That's the word. Yes. He is one. (laughs) He has openly said that he, you know, tries to be friends with these people and like, what do you like? Yeah. Anyway, fragile man. Is all I can. The the other think. thing that I, I I think is actually hilarious is that you know he also had every opportunity for his right of reply. Like when it came to Alex Beresford, right? He yeah would have said anything to defend himself if he wanted to, but he chose to walk away because I guess he didn't have anything to say. So I just find yeah. it so weird that he's going on this whole like campaign now of his freedom of speech is being like robbed from him that is so true and he's pretending that he cares about the royal family where he's like we're just i want to tell the facts you know the facts are that i can't remember remember what he was going on about but i think part of the uh part of the story was that the royal family didn't want to give Archie the title of prince, maybe because of his skin color. That was like part of the racist thing, and he and yeah. he was trying to throw in like protocol and all of that. And what um what the main point I think of that conversation that he had with um is it Alex? Yeah, Harris. Alex yeah. was that it it doesn't matter about protocol or whatever. It mattered how Megan felt and. Pierce couldn't accept that. He couldn't accept that a mixed race woman would feel like something was racist towards her and he just couldn't accept it because he's like, it wasn't racist. I'm like, well, you have a very different perspective on race, clearly. 
and he just got into a hissy fit and it was embarrassing really he's just trying to i i, I even saw things about him commenting about like the oprah winfrey um interview and you know how self-serving harry and Meghan are and they did all this while um the queen's husband has been in hospital oh, like he cares. for four weeks <laughs> I was like, sorry, you guys all went on a fucking campaign against um, Meghan Markle while she was pregnant. This has happened both times. So why is her health condition not considered when you're just kind of throwing everything you have at her? And they didn't even say anything about old mate Philip. (laughs) They also spoke about the Queen very, with such respect. So that's bullshit. What like yeah, get, and after years out. of of like rumors and hateful things being said about them, they finally have an opportunity to tell their side of the story, and that's not okay. I don't, I don't get it. Okay, so let's move on from the royal family to the royal family. <laughs> so. A little quick update on uh, the palace's response to Meghan and Harry's interview with Oprah. So. Two days after the interview aired, Buckingham Palace responded in a brief statement on behalf of the Queen. They said that the allegations of racism made Prince Harry... What? Whoops, that's a uh, little typo right there. They said the allegations of racism made by Prince Harry and Meghan were concerning and they would be addressed privately by the royal family. The whole family is saddened to learn the full extent of how challenging the last few years have been for Harry and Meghan. The issues raised, particularly that of race, are concerning. While some recollections may vary, they are taken very seriously and will be addressed by the family privately. The statement added, Harry, Meghan and Archie will always be much-loved family members. The Daily Mail reported the insiders have described the mood amongst the family as intense personal shock and sadness, believing Harry pressed the nuclear button on his own family. Oh my God. Staff are reeling, but there is also a strong sense of needing to retain a dignified silence and show kindness and compassion. There's a lot of people, there's a lot people want to say, but no one wins with a tit for tat battle, one source said. Prince Charles was said to be in despair over claims Prince Harry made that Charles stopped taking his calls after the couple made the decision to step down from the royal family. Prince William, meanwhile, is thought to be livid after watching the pair's interview, according to The Sun. William and his father have long spoken about racism and mental health. For them to be accused of being racist is deeply unsettling and wrong, a source said. William is also concerned at the idea of Kate being dragged into this wholly unnecessarily. William later broke his silence while at a school visit late last week where he insisted the royal family isn't racist. Uh, He also told reporters that he hasn't even spoken to Harry since the interview. So when someone asked if the royal family was racist, he responded, we're very much not a racist family. Okay. But again, that's coming from his perspective, you know? it's yeah, 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 of course. But yeah, I thought that was pretty shocking that they hadn't even spoken since the interview. Um, yeah, I don't know. Another I'm, thing I'm that was revealed last week was that neither the Queen nor Prince Philip were the ones behind the conversation about Archie's skin colour. Gail King, meanwhile, has come out saying that Meghan has plenty of emails and texts to support the claims of racism in the royal family. Gail spoke about Meghan's allegations, saying, I think Meghan has plenty of receipts, meaning she's been keeping track of things. Meghan's best friend, actress Janina Gavankar, who has, who has known the Duchess for 17 years, echoed this statement. During an appearance on Britain's This Morning, Janina said she watched the interview with the couple and added, I don't speak for them, I speak for myself. 
In response to Buckingham Palace's statements about varying recollections of certain events, Dunina said, though their recollections may vary, ours don't. She added, after reading this short statement that came, from, that came out from Buckingham Palace today, I felt two things. One side, I thought I am so thankful that they are finally acknowledging the experience. But on the other side, I am well aware that the family and the staff were well aware of the extent of it. And though their recollections may vary, ours don't, because we lived through it with them. There are many emails and texts to support that. I have known her for 17 years and I've seen the way she regards the people around her and the people she works with. And I can say she is not a bully, the actress said. But I can also say that I'm personally glad people are doing their due diligence because also, because I also know why someone had to leave and it was for gross misconduct. The truth will come out. There are plenty of emails and texts about that. And that's the royal tea. <laughs> English breakfast. That's what I said. She didn't say that. Oh. Just, just separating <laughs> that for you guys. Um, but yeah, anything anything about that that you're wanting to... To share with the class? About? Yeah, to share with the class. <laughs> I, find all, I just find it all very annoying. Um, yeah. Like, I think the whole thing of, like, we'll be dealing with it privately, but Prince William will make a public statement um, is interesting. But, like, yeah. I hate the whole kind of, like, insinuation that poor Kate has been dragged into it. Megan was yeah. very clear that she didn't have anything against her and she was just correcting the, the, um, the record, like, according yeah. to the experience that she had and the in the narrative that she wanted to tell. So, like, back off about that because there's been way too much um, press trying to kind of pit Kate and Megan against one another and it's a tired story and I think they need to drop it. Um, the other thing is also that, like, they didn't explicitly accuse any one person of racism. They said that the comment was made so like you know the whole thing of like them saying prince charles and william are deeply offended that they've been accused or whatever like yeah they weren't directly accused yeah they're saying that because they feel like they did it right yeah why <sighs> else would they be defending themselves yeah i think well, i don't know what to believe with with all these stories i see so many stories about this every day with different people saying oh these people feel that way these people feel this way. I just I'm like just shush, and we'll wait for we'll wait for another interview. <laughs> yeah, but it was quite bold of uh, of Harry to do all of this because he is going to be mm. seeing his family in July for a they're doing a tribute for Princess Diana. So oh wow, yeah. So he's going to be seeing them in a couple of months. And do you think he will go? Will, uh, yeah, because yeah. it's for his mum. Absolutely. He won't like zoom in. No, no, no. I think there's like a couple of events. Oh, okay. Interesting. And like, I, I think it's been on the cards for a while. So mm. it is bold, but I think that it sounds like they had no other choice. And if the response that they get is, you know, sort of um, like defensive and like they're kind of attacking back, then that just shows that there's no way that this relationship or the way that the royal family sees these issues um, are going to improve. 
Over the weekend, it was announced that Jennifer Lopez and Alex Rodriguez had split after four years together. No! The couple, <laughs> who is seemingly inseparable, are of course engaged and were set to get married this year, I believe, after having to push their wedding date back twice due to COVID. And the news shocked fans, especially Steph. <laughs> but the couple has since broken their silence and it seems as though they're actually still together. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know you were so invested, so- Steph. Oh, mate, yeah. You just want her to be happy, I do. I felt like this is it. She found her man. She found the one. (laughs) Like, you know, her love don't cost a thing, but she's with Alex Rodriguez and they're really rich and they have a great life. But she's still Jenny from the blog. Okay. True. Yeah. No, I was happy for them. But anyway, continue. In a joint statement to E! News, the couple said, all the reports are inaccurate. We are working through some things. A source close to the couple told the publication the pair had hit a rough patch, but there wasn't a third party involved, as it had previously been re- <laughs> as it had been previously rumored that A Rod had cheated on J Lo with Southern Charms Madison Lacroix, which I mean, like he'd have to be pretty freaking stupid to cheat yeah. on J Lo. Uh, ben Affleck. Oh, <laughs> you're, you're just not gonna get better no. than her. Though. Like, like look at her. No, I know, but it's who happened. are these dickheads? <laughs> yeah, who are these? <laughs> E! News has said that multiple sources confirmed the couple split to them last week with more than one, sorry, nope, with one source saying J-Lo pulled the plug on wedding plans because she couldn't trust him anymore. Alex has had a problem texting girls for years, the source said. This, there is no sorry. proof that he has moved past to. It's just really funny. He's had a problem. He just can't stop texting girls. <laughs> he just can't stop Steph. <laughs> There is no proof that he has moved past the texting flirtation stage, but the evidence has continued piling up and become too much to ignore. Another insider said it's all very complicated between the kids and all their business ventures together. It will take a long time to untangle. Everything in their lives is very much merged together. Everyone is very sad and upset. So do we think that they're going to actually officially split soon or are they going to be together forever? This is just a bump in the road. They're fine. I think that they're going to be all right. Steph hopes. That's my hope, yeah. (laughs) Um, I was talking about this with my roommate, Adriana, and she's also very invested. So she was saying, this is my source, my roommate, she was saying that um, they've been in counselling and that, like, there's been quotes from J-Lo saying that she's really struggled. I'm just laughing like the way that I got this information is so <laughs> not valid. <laughs> Adriana is your source. Continue, please. They've been in counselling for some time. They've, yes, they've apparently been in counselling, and she has said, JLo, not Adriana, that um, that she's really struggled with being in lockdown for um, you know, the pandemic because she's so go go go. Whereas he's actually really enjoyed the slow pace of it. And that's caused some troubles. They're going to break up over that. Oh, well, they probably should if it's that. I feel like there's a lot of people that have really struggled having to be in lockdown um, at the extent that everywhere other than Australia has had to do it. Yes. So the experience is very different elsewhere. So being in, I mean, they probably have fucking acres, but like (laughs) still being. Only in that house together for so long, I would imagine, really tests some couples. And so 
I feel like they wouldn't just be by themselves in that house. So I feel like every celebrity somehow, or some celebrities are doing it, doing very well by staying home and stuff. Oh, yeah, sure. But But you're still up in each other's space. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. But I think, like, I don't know. I'm of the. I don't know. I I just, when it comes to them, I don't, I don't really get, get it. I'm like, really? You don't care? Yeah. I don't get, I don't get why, why. I just don't see them. I don't know them. I don't really know him. I know her. She's amazing. Well, Adriana knows yeah, that. Yeah, she does. She's she got all the things. But I, they're going to be. I feel like if they're in counselling, then they're choosing to put their relationship first. You know. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds healthy. Or, you know, when rumours come out about a split, and then when couples, celebrity couples, say, "Oh no, we're not splitting. We're doing counselling," and then not long after there's announcement that they have split could could that that be what's happening here maybe i did think it was quite funny because it did sound quite official like the fact that they had multiple sources confirming it and then they're saying oh we're just going through a rough patch Mm. like i just can adriana find out a bit more yeah yeah i know i'll tell her to to speak to her people All right, we'll be back in just a moment for Six Sad World and Rate It or Hate It. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Twitter. We are at Pop Fix Podcast, or you can find us on Facebook. As I mentioned before, just search Pop Fix Podcast. You're listening to Pop Fix and it's time for Six Sad World. It's been a terribly sad few weeks in the UK recently and it's being felt by women worldwide. Steph. Tell us all about this very sad story. Yeah, so um, I do want to start this next story off with a with a warning. A warning, sorry, that the content does deal with assault and um, other violent acts, so it may be triggering to some, and you might want to skip ahead. If you are in need of support right now, however, there is always help available. One eight hundred respect is the number you want to call for that. Um, but yeah, so the world has been reeling uh, this past week and more really after the news broke that a 33-year-old woman, Sarah Everard, who, was, who went missing on March 3rd, was discovered dead almost 80 kilometres away from her home in South London. Uh, Everard was walking home after visiting a friend when she disappeared. And a Constable Wayne Cousins, a 48-year-old police officer, has been charged with her kidnap and murder. Um, Cousins' lawyer has been has uh, been yet to enter a plea to the charges, and it's been reported that England's police watchdog has launched an investigation into the handling of this of this case. It's a big story, clearly, and um, it's one that has sent chills down the spines of many. It's driven a lot of people to speak out about gendered violence but the fact is that this is not a unique story it's not new and sadly it's not even all that surprising um not even the element that a policeman was involved is 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 that shocking if you've listened to the words of black people at all in the last few years and beyond you should be aware that there have been a lot of horrific cases that kind of can 
you can draw parallels between this one. And, um, you know, I have actually seen a lot of messages on social media, a lot of points made. Um, I saw one post by an Instagrammer, Curvy Naomi, where she was just talking about how, like, obviously there's been rightly a lot of outrage about this case, but that it can be really painful to see that, you know, the concept of police brutality is being taken seriously now that a white woman is involved. Yeah, that's mm. true. Um, and that's just something that I think that is really poignant, needs to be recognised with regard to this case. But for me, this story with with Sarah Everett was, like, uh, particularly haunting, really, because it's, it's wild. You know, literally the day before the news came out, I was walking home after a volleyball game and... It was not late. It was like 8.30 p.m. And I had to walk past a park and I felt scared, which mm-hmm. I think is not a rare thing. I think a lot of women experience yeah. that. Yeah. And so I called a friend to talk to them on the phone because I was worried, I don't know, and I just felt uncomfortable. And one of the first yeah. things I said was, you know, I'm sorry if I'm being dramatic. But you're not being dramatic. No, I know, I know. But I felt a little bit silly for, for feeling on edge um but I was saying you know I'm walking near a park and what I what I said was I can't stop thinking of Eurydice Dixon and mm. like yeah. if you recall that story Eurydice was a comedian who was raped and killed as she walked home in 2018 uh yeah and then I heard about the Sarah Everett story the next day and it's just like I don't know. What I felt when I heard that story was really defeated. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. I also, I hate that idea of she did everything right because of the fact that it's actually stuff that we do Mm -hmm. have to do every day as women. Like, you know, she was wearing brightly coloured clothes that could be recognised on a camera. She was walking down well-lit streets. Mm. She called her boyfriend she was not she that far from, late. it was yeah, only like 9pm yeah. and yeah so everyone's saying she did everything right and yet yeah. this still happened and it's like well and also as a policeman so they likely lured her away because she was out mm, during lockdown right and they were like probably threatening her that's what a girl at work was saying might have happened and I thought that made so much sense and that yeah it's just it's so depressing and it's stuff like this that almost confirms all our fears I think because it's like we 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 do the right thing when we go out and she did the right thing when she went out but it still didn't matter in the end mm-hmm. and I and I know the the main message we should be hearing is you know it's not what women are doing wrong I mean it should be about men changing their behavior and I saw this there's this, a woman called Baroness Jenny Jones who argued in Britain's House of Lords that all men should be subject to a 6pm curfew. Um, she may have been serious. She may have been uh, being ironic because I think not long before that, maybe it was police officials. I feel like police officials always say they this said, thing where it's yeah, like yeah. women should yeah. not walk alone at, li- at night. I'm like, well, fuck you. This is our earth too. We are allowed to go where we want yeah. to go and that makes me really mad um 
And so in, instead of her putting the responsibility on women, um, who are largely the victims of these attacks, especially at night on the street, the Baroness was putting the responsibility instead on men to stay home, but then other people have pointed out that victims, female victims, often know their attackers, so having men stay at home isn't yeah. an answer either. So it really boils down to yeah. behaviour, and how do we tackle that? Because we have these vigils, we ha- we remember these women, and we shouldn't have to remember these women in this way, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there have been some really great comments and tweets and things to come from men who do understand the situation, but the number of men saying, oh, this is not the experience of all women, shut up kind of thing, that is so depressing because I've never not worried about my own safety and the safety of my friends and my family. We've all sent that text telling our friends to let us know that their home's Mm -hmm. safe and it's for a reason. Yeah. Did you guys see the video um, from Daniel Sloss's 2019 comedy special? Because it's, it's recently resurfaced and it's gone viral because it addresses the importance of male accountability mm. when it comes to sexual assault. And I've got yeah. some audio if we want to give it a listen. If every single woman who has experienced sexual assault was to go to the police, there are not enough police officers or courtrooms in the world to deal with the problem. And that's not even taking into consideration that the problem goes all the way to the very top. Now, that's not my way of saying you shouldn't go to the police. It's just my way of letting you know how big this fucking problem is. 97% of rapists will not spend a single day in jail. That is a real statistic. That is fucking abhorrent. So how do we fix that? How does society, how do we fix this? How do we stop this happening? It's all I've been thinking about for the past year, over and over and over again. How do you fix this? How do you stop this? How do you prevent this from happening? And I've got no answers, man. The only thing I can think of is it has to involve us. And by us, I mean men. Now, to the women in the room, I know you know this. None of this is new information to you. You've lived your life, you've got your experiences, and your voices are more important and necessary in this discussion than mine. That being said, I would still like to lend my voice to the discussion. And to the men in the room, I want to make something crystal clear. This isn't an attack. I'm not accusing you of anything. And more importantly, I'm not accusing your friends of anything. I'm just trying to tell you my experience, and this is my experience. I knew this man for eight years, and he fucking did it. There are monsters amongst us and they look like us. If you are sick of the narrative that is currently going on about men, feel free to change it, but you have to get involved. Don't make the same mistake I did for years, which was just sitting back and be like, well, I'm not part of the problem, therefore I must be part of the solution, because that's just not how this fucking shit works. I believe and deep down I know that most men of good, of course we are, but when one in ten men are shit and the other yes, nine do nothing, they might as well not fucking be there. Well. Being good the on the inside counts about, for think, absolutely yeah. fuck all. You have to actively be good and get involved instead of having this fucking hero complex of being like i'm gonna beat up a rapist fucking prevent one start one because i know it can be done because i know how i fucking failed at it because if i'm being 100 percent honest with myself were there signs in my friend's behavior over the years towards women that i ignored the answer is yes and then he raped my friend and that's on me until the day i die Talk to your fucking boys. Get involved. Because I'm going to be honest with you, lads. Women are trying their hardest to not get raped. Like every day, they try to not get raped. Mm, yeah, I, I saw this live and it was so emotional. And I it, can imagine. Yeah, it was incredibly emotional. And it part of me was like, thank God that he's speaking up because men will listen to him. But on the other side of me, I was like, why can't they listen to <laughs> women when we, we talk about it as well? But it was really powerful, really emotional. Mm. I um, actually I did an uh, an interview with a representative from White Ribbon Australia a little while ago, and when they were talking to me about how things change 
in this space, it was very much um, a comment on like it it has to start from the beginning, like from home and like gendered roles. As a kid, yeah. like when they're yeah. young. And the way that the way that we see women and their position in the house and that kind of like the power dynamic there and the respect and all of that it comes it comes way back to that like that's where it starts and I mean I don't know I don't feel like I see that much changing (laughs) I don't know I saw I I saw a headline from Marie Claire the other day I don't know if you guys spotted it it was an article by Grace Beck and um, what it said was, we're never going to be safe, are we? Oh. And it just, it really, like, I felt it in my fucking yeah. soul. Yeah. It makes me upset. There was some, um, yeah, pretty depressing things, especially just pointing out, you know, Monday was International Women's Day. Yeah. Tuesday, oh, we don't believe this woman who says that she didn't want to be alive anymore. Yeah. And then it all ended with Sunday being Monday. Uh, sorry, Mother's Day. Yeah, Steph, like you said yeah, before, yeah. you feel defeated, yeah. and it's really hard to find that strength. But I, I, I hope we can all find that strength together to to stand up against it and make some change. And fucking men, stop being so fucking stupid. Yeah, the thing that I think um, the point that you made earlier about you know the whole kind of idea that we need to police our behavior in order to protect ourselves is just this really tired concept that like we it's called out every time but it's still the same thing that he said because like seemingly i don't know the dangerous urges mm. of men can't be controlled that's yeah the, that's that's the message yeah. that that sentence sends yeah for sure and i just i'm so fucking sick of it wish i could hug you <laughs> Alrighty, we'll move on to Rated or Hate It. Sama, what have you got for us? So for Rated or Hate It, I've got kind of a techie thing, but it is wrapped into pop culture. So uh, I'll try not bore anyone or confuse anyone. I'm still trying to understand it all myself, to be honest. So there's this digital artist called Mike Beeple Winkleman, great name, who sold a a collage of 5,000 digital art pieces for almost 90 million Australian dollars. Oh, shit. Yeah, 90 million. Oh, it is 5,000 images, though. So if you work that out, maybe it's a bargain. I don't know. I'm not doing (laughs) that kind of math. Still doesn't sound like a bargain to me. (laughs) So the collage called Every Days is made up of 13 years worth of work, and it's an art piece that people did every single day for 13 years. And it sold at an auction. But the unique thing about this collage is that it's a non-fungible token or commonly known as NFT, which is essentially a digital file which is authenticated via blockchain. So to give you more information, Ether, which is the cryptocurrency that was used to purchase this artwork, is the currency that's held within a a cryptocurrency wallet called Ethereum. I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> it's it's a lot of words. It's a lot of blockchain. But anyways, so the newest way to use blockchain and cryptocurrency has been 
a bit of a blessing for artists online because while you're not um while you're not only able to prove authenticity via this blockchain, um, your artwork is also safe from being digitally copied. So it's not just artwork that's being sold either. Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey is selling his first ever tweet for a couple million dollars. I thought this was the dumbest thing I've ever read. <laughs> anyway, continue, please. Sorry. No, that's fine. And at first I thought that too, but then I thought, you know, the way the future is going, the way that we are more and more looking to augmented reality VR. Think about museums, right? Think about maybe a tweet will be in a digital museum. Anyways, those are just thoughts I'm having for the future. So Grimes has sold 10 pieces of her artwork as well. Some images, some videos, and I think for over $6 million. And do you guys remember Nyan Cat? That little... Yeah, a little toast cat with the rainbow shooting out of its butt. That GIF sold for 300 Ether, which I think amounts to $600,000. So a GIF sold for that much money. Um, And it's no surprise here that musicians are also getting into NFTs as... um, uh, Oh, as digital albums have been so easy to illegally download, copy and distribute. So this is a way to really kind of secure it. So kings don't of people just use Spotify now. Don't do people buy albums? No, that's a good point. Not many people just buy albums anymore, right? But so Kings of Leon released their latest album called When You See Yourself as an NFT through a blockchain platform called Yellowheart. So with this album comes digital artwork and the opportunity for one of six people to win a lifetime of front row tickets to a Kings of Leon concert. You have to be a pretty big Kings of Leon fan <laughs> because who, I didn't even know they had new music out. Exactly. it's not on Spotify. <laughs> exactly. But Spotify doesn't offer you lifetime front row seats. You know what I'm saying? No, it does not. But you need to buy it with this cryptocurrency. Exactly. So I just feel like I get really, my brain sort of explodes at the concept of like digital art with digital money. Yep. And I'm like, none of it exists. And yeah, then, that's no exactly idea. right. Well, there you go. And then on top of that, you have a digital contract, the way that this works. So it authenticates it and it also says like, so this is the owner and this is when they bought it. And it's saying that this is the one of a kind copy. Um, so not only does it provide authenticity and security for artwork and music or whatever it is, but artists are also... Uh, able to ensure royalties after the initial sale. So Beeple, mm. for example, has worked out a contract that so that any time the artwork changes hands, Beeple gets 10% of that sale. Right. Yeah. So But so like how do you look at this thing? How do you look how do you look at the artwork? <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure it's sent as a file, but an authenticated file. So this is just for people who care if they're looking at the authentic one. Because if I just want to look at that cat. Yeah. <laughs> you can just look on, you can search it like a gift database. Exactly. So it's people yeah. who just want to own the original who care about this, right? And of, of course there are risks asso- associated with NFTs because as they are sold in a legally enforceable contract, you could mm. be buying something really worthless or really valuable. But 
Either way, there's a contract Which I involved. guess that happens with art all the time. Exactly. It's just a different way of looking at art dealerships. So the okay, other but thing on top of this. If I was to spend mm-hmm. $90 million <laughs> and all I could do was look at it on my computer, that is the worst purchase of my life. <laughs> The worst. I could have had so many houses. I could have had an island. I could have had a private (laughs) jet. But instead, I'm looking at this stupid digital artwork that cost me more than an arm and a leg. But if you think about it, if you think about it, blockchain, cryptocurrency, the market's so volatile, right? So it could, this $90 million could skyrocket. But the other risk is that it could really fall apart. So yeah. even though you may only, you may have spent ninety million on this digital artwork, if people really want a piece of it, you can sell that on, which is really good for people too, because ten percent is pretty good. Um, so I think I know what you think about this, Marnie. But I'm going to ask the question: Are you two going to stick to what we do these days, which is you know listen on Spotify, go to a to a in person museum, all of that, or are you excited to see a future where you ha- you use blockchain to buy things where, you know, a digital museum could be available where you use a VR headset, that kind of stuff? What do you guys think? Hate it. Hate it? You don't hate, hate it? it? I want to go to a museum. I don't want to, like, I hate VR. Do you? Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, I don't hate it. I've, like, I've tried it a couple times, but it's not, like, I would never go out of my way. Also, I'm still, I'm still, yes, okay. So I could buy it for ninety million and I could sell it for a hundred million. But I'm just looking at this thing on my computer. Yeah. I just, I just don't see the point. I'm like, if I want to show anyone, I'd have to be like, hey, come to my computer. You can see my ninety million. It's not even up in my house. Okay, you can just send them a screenshot. Yeah, you could. Yeah, I'll be like, well, this isn't copy. the real thing. Just yeah. FYI, if you want to see the real thing, come to my house. <laughs> Same. They look exactly the same. But this is this one's authentic. This one's authenticated. I think that like I I'm interested in the, the idea that, you know, digital artists can have a way to monetize their work a little better. I think that's interesting. Um but I have no I'm gonna start taking a photo every day for thirteen years tomorrow. <laughs> And in 13 years, I best get $100 million for that. You might get a billion at this point. Who knows where it's going. Okay, I'll do it. (laughs) Who knows what those monopodollars will be worth that time. No, I just, yeah, I I don't want to be involved in it. I'm not interested (laughs) in personally engaging, but I am glad for the people (laughs) who can make more money for their art. Yeah, that's cool. Um, I just no. So you hate it? You don't rate it? You got to either rate it or hate yeah, it. Yeah, you can't, no can't mate it. I can't mate it. No, I'm gonna hate it. Oh, okay. I'm gonna say rate it because I feel like we need some balance here. But I also think that, it's a. But is, is that, that what you actually your heart says? Yeah. Well, I think so. Like part <laughs> of me, I, I'm a, part of me is a fence sitter. Like yes, I agree. A five thousand image collage thing worth 90 million is a bit ridiculous but i'm just thinking about the i don't know i something about it is exciting and i something about it is exciting and i like it but um i think it is a bit i think 
it is a bit volatile. We don't know where it's going to go. We don't know who has access to this or what, because a lot of criminals actually use blockchain as well. So, because it's hard you to train. Like you hate it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I do rate it, but I just only cautiously. Yeah, cautiously, cautiously rate it. That's the best way to put it, Steph. Yeah, cautiously rate okay. it. I have a question. Um, Five thousand images. Is that just like? You scroll through them on your computer. From, can you actually or, see them, or do you is just it a see? collage? From what yeah. I can see, it's just a giant image of five thousand images. So then you would need like a big fuck off monitor. <laughs> yeah, to true. Look at that too. Unless it could just be all dick pics too. You don't know if you can't zoom in. That's what it could be. <laughs> I think you can zoom in. I bet you. Okay, so I I'm bet- really getting five thousand pictures for my ninety million. I feel slightly better now. <laughs> Yeah, I bet you there's an NFT dick pic somewhere. Yeah, I there will you. be. And Who maybe it, sure? it, it looks like one. Like maybe they've made the colours like work so it looks like one. Maybe, but that would be worth nothing. <laughs> I saw a thing because um, I, I did read an article uh, by a colleague of mine actually, worked for Business Insider, and he did a, um, a story about this and it, it kind of, helped me understand it a little bit better and he was talking about how people had purchased a brown square just literally one pixel but just like a brown square by brown cardigan oh oh and people i think it was like i want to say nineteen hundred dollars or like something it was over a thousand dollars it was where are people plucking these numbers from yeah but i think that it was kind of like a take on there is a physical artwork in a museum that is a blue square right right and i think this is kind of like it's just a modern version of that right a take or whatever i'm not sure anyway there was a lot of interesting points made in that piece that kind of helped me understand a little bit this is why why i say i think it is cool for digital artists and what they're able to do and make money because i think that you know being in the arts in this digital age is a fucking time yes. <laughs> um but i don't rate it for me to consume okay all right so marnie hardcore hates it steph rates it for other people and i cautiously <laughs> rate it <laughs> okay Alrighty, that is all we have time for today. Thank you so much for joining us this week on Pop Fix, your weekly fix of pop culture news. Please subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. And if you could please leave us a five-star rating and review, we would very, 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 very much appreciate it. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter. We are at Pop Fix Podcast. Find us on Facebook, search the same thing. Sama, where can we find you on Insta? You can find me at underscore Samarose underscore. And Steph? I'm at Steph Nitto. And you can find me at Marnie Dixit. We'll be back in a week. Chat to you then. Bye. 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 Bye.